yeah. We're here. We got here just in time, friends. I'm telling you, it's almost time for the show to go, and I haven't done it yet, so. And this is probably just about the most last-minute version of our show that I've done. Yeah, well, that's good, though. Puts the pressure on me. Makes me want to get it, get it done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, friends, it is time for a brand new show. Brand new sounds like radio, and we're here. I am your humble host, by the way. We're here with the great Gildersleeve and a whole set of good sounding music for you. So, uh, even though we may be late to the, the microphone to get the show recorded, eh, I ain't late as far as planning the music that I've got. I've got it all planned, all mapped out, all carefully. Oh, actually, it is carefully considered. <laughs> eh, anyway, welcome to Sounds Like Radio, friends. Today we're going to be listening to the January 17th, 1951 broadcast of the great Gildersleeve, way down. As you know, Marjorie is going to be having her baby in just a few weeks. And one of the sure ways that a little lady is going to have a baby is when she gets the urge to move furniture. Marjorie, she's got them urges. <laughs> she wants Gildersleeve and Bronco to start moving the furniture around. You might say, she says... Take this furniture, darling, and move it over as Doris Day. <laughs> Doris Day says, move over, darling. But I don't think she's talking to the furniture. Here's Doris. Our lips shouldn't touch. Move over, darling. I like it too much. Move over, darling. That gleam in your eyes is no big surprise anymore. Cause you fooled me before. to give in Move over, darling And though it's not right I'm too weak to fight it somehow Cause I want you right now You sigh Has me waving my conscience bye-bye You can call me a fickle thing But I'm practically yours forever
Yes, there you have Doris Day and the title track from her movie, Move Over Darling. I believe that movie also had James Garner in it. Yeah, Doris Day made some good movies. I like them all. I've never seen a bad Doris Day movie. That's how good she is. Mm, I like that. Well, now see here, Marjorie. She's getting all ready for the baby, telling Bronco where to move this piece of furniture and that piece of furniture. Soon, lady, she's going to get it all fixed up just the way she likes it. And then when the baby arrives, Marjorie and Bronco will look at the little baby sleeping in his little crib. And Bronco will say this to Marjorie, you, Marjorie, must have been a beautiful baby. She'll say, why? Because we have such a beautiful baby. Here is the great Bing Crosby. Oh, yeah, I like this. This is Swingin' Song here from Bing. You must have been a beautiful baby You must have been a wonderful child When you were only starting to go to kindergarten I bet you drove the little boys wild And when it came to winning blue ribbons You must have shown the other kids how I can see the judge's eyes as they handed you the prize I bet you made the cutest bow Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby Cause baby, look at you now Does your mother realize The stork delivered Quite a prize The day he left you On the family tree Does your dad Appreciate That you're merely Super great The miracle Of any century If they don't Just send them both To me You must have been a beautiful baby You must have been a wonderful child When you were only starting to go to kindergarten I bet you drove the little boys wild And when it came to winning blue ribbons You must have shown the other kids how I can see the judge's eyes as they handed you the prize I bet you made the cutest bow Oh, you must have been a beautiful baby Cause baby, look at you 
took you to now. Oh my, yeah. Bing Crosby, one of his swinging songs from the 1940s. You must have been a beautiful baby. <laughs> yeah, sometimes be nice to, to know what your girlfriend looked like when she was a baby. Yeah, yeah they probably had pictures of her, you know, lying there on that blanket, all without no diaper on. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, if you don't have a picture like that, all you can do is imagine what a beautiful baby she was. Ah, you know, friends, it feels good to be back. I've been going ooh, all day today. I had to take my mom to get her prescription filled at the grocery store. Then she wanted to get a few groceries. Then I had to go over to another place to get my prescription filled. Then I had to go to another place to get a couple items for me for my groceries. It stays like that when you finally get home and you say, ah, feels good to be back. Yes, indeed. That's exactly the way I felt day before yesterday when I had a doctor's appointment. Oh, my. It really felt good to get back after that. Well, friends, uh, here Marjorie, she's going to have a baby, and they're going to look at that baby, and they're going to try to figure out, what do we call the baby? You know, you know, that's a problem. You know, I have a little niece, and she was a baby, but uh, my, my sister gave her such a complicated sort of strange name, I still can't think of it offhand, so I just call her baby. And now she's about 11 years old, and I still call her baby, uh, just because I, it's hard to think of her name offhand. Uh, at any rate, but I think, though, she likes it by now because I think she's gotten so used to it. Uh, anyway, uh, so they're going to look at this little baby and they're going to say, what are we going to call it? And uh, maybe Bronco will be just like me. He'll say, let's call it Baby. And then the baby will say, he called me Baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sort of like Patsy Cline does right here as she sings, he called me Baby. He called All night long Used to hold and kiss me Until dawn Then one day I woke And he was gone Now there's no more Made me strong 
just like a song I still hear baby baby still hear baby baby still hear baby baby all My Patsy Cline, and he called me baby. Yeah, I really like listening to Patsy Cline music, and uh, I gotta play more of it here on Sounds Like Radio because she just has such a fantastic voice, and it's always nice to hear her singing songs that you don't often hear, and that's one you don't often hear, and that's what makes it so good for me. Well, friends. Got good show here today with Marjorie moving around the furniture. But you know, to move furniture, you gots to have energy. How do you get energy? <laughs> well, uh, you gotta have a good breakfast for one. <laughs> and where do you get a good breakfast? <laughs> That's when I open up my freezer and I look at them Jimmy Dean breakfasts. Oh, they're gonna give me energy. Here's Jimmy Dean. I'm Jimmy Dean, and uh, I wish I could tell you how I feel about a morning like this. And that includes a good hearty breakfast. You need something to kind of warm the whole body up and get it going. Mm. It's a great way to kick off your day. Oh, yeah. I'm hey, Jimmy Dean. Jimmy and, Dean. Uh, I wish I could tell you how I feel about a morning like Jimmy Dean, you already said that. Now, don't repeat yourself. I, I'm going to give you another chance to say a little more. How about telling us a story, Jimmy? The story about Slow John Fairburn. Oh, it's kind of a funny story. Here is Jimmy Dean and a little story for you. Now, our hometown's a little old town. Never much going on. Well, I've seen the whole town turn out just to listen to an organ grinder song. But a bunch of old rotten old boys that ride motorcycles started spreading the rumor around that it would really be funny to see old slow John Fairburn take a motorcycle ride around town. Now, Slow John's, oh, I guess, 70 years old and plays checkers down on the square, and I've never seen him do anything faster than a walk, and at times he'll slow that down a hair. So we went around collecting some money and came up with a $100 bill. And we let it be known that come Saturday would be Slow John's show and tell. Well, Saturday rolled around and kind of hot. But it looked like the whole town came, and they all gathered around old Pete Jones and Slow John's checker game. But we came roaring up on those motorcycles and the motor revving up loud, and we plopped our money down on the checker table, and a snicker kind of went through the crowd. Slow John looked at the crowd, and then he looked at the money, and I don't think he got uptight. And Pete Jones says, well, John, it looks like it's your move. And old John says, you know what? I think you're right. Well, he hitched up his britches and he spit in his hands and said, could I borrow your bike for a while? And he said, by the way, would you women and children kind of stand back? And I swear I saw him smile. He said, okay, boys, I need me something wet. And he downed the beer. And he picked up a flower from a nearby shrub 
and he stuck it behind his ear. Well, he kicked down on that motorcycle starter and that motor kicked into a roar and he showered down Hoss and he laid a strip of rubber all the way to the grocery store. Women were screaming and dogs started barking. The kids were getting a thrill because he made Evil Knievel look like he needed training wheels. He popped himself a wheelie across that courthouse lawn and he roared right up the front stairs. An old lady stops up at the highway department, fainted and fell right across the chair. Well, John picked up his money and he said with a grin, enjoy the ride, boys. Thanks a lot. And old Pete laughed and said, boys, I could have told you, but I think you needed a lesson or two. Cause you see, Slow John Fairburn was motorcycle champ in 30, 31, and 32. Well, I'll be. <laughs> That'll teach them boys to be doing bets against Slow John Fairburn. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Jimmy Dean telling a nice little tale of woe for them boys who bet against Slow John, but a nice little funny tale for Slow John to kind of prove to them they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. Well, friends, I got to figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I'll get used to it. Uh, you know, you know, when I do these shows, I start off slow. I got to get used to things again. And that's where I've been. I can tell I've made a few little boo-boos myself. So I ain't going to yell at the engineer if he makes a few boo-boos today. Because I, I done made my share of boo-boos already. Well, let's get to the show. From January 17th, 1951. Let's listen now to the great Gildersleeve uh, <laughs> as he takes direction from Marjorie to move that barge, lift that bale, uh, uh, move the furniture. Let's listen to the great Gildersleeve. The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you each week by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, a name that for years has meant fine cheese, is the maker of the new Kraft Deluxe Slices. These slices of wonderful pasteurized processed cheese are perfect. No dried edges, no broken pieces, because they're wrapped right in the spick-and-span Kraft plant. You'll find Kraft's delicious processed cheese in slices in neat half-pound packages in your grocer's dairy case. Eight big slices in every package. Tomorrow, take home several of these convenient packages and get acquainted with Kraft Deluxe Slices, the most delicious processed cheese you've ever tasted. Saturday morning at the Great Gildersleeve's house. And is the water commissioner lolling in bed? No, sir. He's up and dressing. Oh, by George, Saturday's my favorite day. 
Leroy doesn't have to go to school, and Bronco can stay home, I can spend a happy day with my little family. Good day to wear this sports shirt I got for Christmas. Nice. You think I'll leave the shirt tail out, Palm Beach style? Yeah, I'll just be lounging around the house. Here's that. A bee in January? Oh, Bertie's using the vacuum cleaner. Good morning, Bertie. Good morning, Mr. Gillespie. I'll get you breakfast as soon as I vacuum the hall. Yeah, no hurry, Bertie. Take your time. Miss Marjorie's moving all the furniture around this morning, so I thought it was a good time to vacuum the house. Marjorie's moving furniture, you say? Yes, sir. And Mr. Bronco don't think she ought to be doing that. <laughs> that boy's fit to be tied. Well, should she be that active, Bertie? Is she feeling all right? Oh, you don't have to worry about Miss Marjorie. She's feeling fine. Yeah, good. The one we may have to call the doctor for is Mr. Bronco. Oh, my goodness. And that boy's been a bundle of nerves ever since he found out he was going to be a father. Yes, sir. You think he's going to be the mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he's so nervous about. Baby isn't due for a month. Yeah, I guess it's natural when he's about to become a father for the first time. Yeah, I'll just have to straighten Bronco out. Well, guess I won't have to. Look at him sitting on the couch, holding hands. Hello. Good morning, Anki. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. He's holding hands, I see. He's only holding him to keep me from rearranging the furniture. Yeah. Mr. Gildersleeve, I have a feeling we can expect the baby at any time. Oh, Bronco. Now, Bronco, the doctor said it would be late February. Mr. Gildersleeve, my grandmother always said, when a woman starts moving furniture around, look out. The time is close at hand. Yo. <laughs> Bronco, that's an old wives' tale. Well, the wives ought to know. <laughs> this boy's in bad shape. I can't get Marjorie to listen to me. I'm having a terrible time. Now, Bronco. Who's having a terrible time? I am, Leroy. Yeah? What's your trouble? Maybe I can help you. Leroy, if there's any helping to be done, I'll do it. Okay. Now then, Bronco. Yes, sir? I know you're concerned about Marjorie, and that's all well and good. But... Hey, Aunt, your shirt tail's out. Yeah, I know, Leroy. Now, as I was about to say, Bronco... Why don't you tuck it in? Leroy, it's supposed to be out. It's sporty. Yeah? Now, Bronco... You leave your shirt tail out and it's sporty. I leave mine out and it's sloppy. Well, I can't stand that lamp by the piano. I think I'll move it over... Oh, no, you don't, Martin. If it has to be moved, I'll move it. But, darling, I can move it. Now, honey, I'll do it. Well, while you're moving the lamp, I'll move this end table. No. Oop. Marge, don't you touch another thing. Now, Bronco. How do I move it? Leroy, I think you'd better go outside and kick your football. That's the place for adolescents. And Bronco? Yes, sir. Why don't you go with it? Yeah. Fine breakfast, Marjorie. Well, thank you, Anki. But you didn't have to fix it for me. Bertie was going to. Well, I wanted to do it. I feel like doing things, and my only chance is when Bronco's out of the house. Yeah, I understand. He's such a fuss budget. Well, it's a very natural concern, my dear. I suppose so. Here, I'll clear away the dishes. Yeah, Margie. Sit down a minute and talk to your old uncle. All right. Now, then. Are you sure you're not overdoing it just a little? 
course not, Unky. I feel wonderful. Yeah, that's good. We want to take the best possible care of our little girl. Oh, you're sweet, Unky. So if there's anything at all you want, or anything I can do... Are you all right, Marge? Yes, Bronco. Just keep playing with Leroy. Okay, honey, if you're sure you're all right. She's all right. Okay. <laughs> Unky, I'm worried about Bronco. He may have a nervous breakdown. Well, he does have a wild look in his eye. Can't you take him somewhere and get his mind off me? I don't know. There is the Jolly Boys meeting tonight. Oh, why don't you take him? Oh, I don't think he'd enjoy being with us. Besides, he'll quiet down. Playing football with Leroy will settle his nerves. Are you still all right, honey? Here we go again. Yes, Bronco, I'm fine. What's the matter with your eye? Hmm? Oh, oh, that. Say, it's swollen. Yeah, I was looking in the window to see if you were all right when Leroy threw a pass. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You haven't been moving things, have you, Marge? Well, she brought in my breakfast, Bronco. It wasn't heavy, just one egg. I know I should have stayed in here. I'll never leave you again. Oh, don't be silly, darling. You've got to do something, Uncle Mort. Yes, well... Every time I think of what you're going through, I get weak in the knees. <laughs> oh, Bronco. You pull yourself together, my boy. Becoming a father for the first time isn't such a harrowing experience. Yeah, but, gee whiz, you'll get used to it after you've had nine or ten. <laughs> nine or ten? Unky, we won't have nine or ten. We only plan to have five or six. <laughs> Marge, the plans have changed. I could never live through this again. Well, that settles it. I'll have to take him to the Jolly Boys. <laughs> night at the Jolly Boys Club is just what Bronco needs. It'll be good for his nerves. He and Marjorie's, too. Say nothing of mine. Yeah, I'll drop in and mention it to Peavy. Hello, Peavy. Well, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> what can I do for you today? Well, I have a little problem, Peavy. You don't say. You give me a cigar, and I'll tell you about it. Yeah, well. There you are. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Peavy, you know Marjorie and Bronco are expecting the baby. Yes, the whole town is helping them expect it. <laughs> yes, well, what would you think about bringing him up to the Jolly Boys Club tonight? The baby? <laughs> no, Peavy. I mean, Bronco. The baby isn't due until next month. <laughs> then you couldn't bring him up tonight anyway. Hardly, Peavy. Of course, they do arrive early sometimes. Well, that's what has Bronco on edge. And that's why I have to get him out of the house. Well, doesn't Bronco want to be there for the big event? Of course, Peep. He's a very solicitous father. In fact, he's overdoing it. He's practically a nervous wreck. Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, I would be too if I were an expectant father. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. Fine cigar, Peep. Hmm, here comes Judge Hooker. Good morning, gentlemen. Well, hello, Judge. Oh, it's you, Gilder. I didn't recognize you behind the smoke. It's me, Judge. What a lovely long cigar. Are you playing the role of grandfather or just pretending that you're Mount Vesuvius? <laughs> Courtroom comedian. Mr. Gildersleeve was just saying he might bring a visitor to the club tonight. Oh? Yes, I thought I'd bring Bronco, Judge. Marjorie thinks he should get out of the house for a while. 
The boy needs recreation. Splendid idea, Gildy. I can understand how the boy would be overwrought. But soon all his tribulations would be forgotten in the joys of fatherhood. Yes. Wonderful thing, fatherhood. But alas, none of us has ever been a father. No, but Mrs. Peavy and I have always wanted to have a family. Oh. In fact, I set aside a box of cigars for just such an eventuality. <laughs> that was 20 years ago. Uh, too bad, Peavy. You never got to use those cigars. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> what? How do you know you're not smoking one of them? <laughs> Gildersleeve will be back in just a moment. Now you can make more delicious cheese sandwiches more easily than ever. Just get Kraft Deluxe Slices, perfect sandwich-sized slices of extra delicious pasteurized processed cheese. Kraft Deluxe Slices are wrapped eight to a half pound package and are delightfully different from any sliced cheese you've ever had before. They're different because Kraft Slices are made a completely new way. Instead of being cut from a loaf, these slices are actually formed by an exclusive new craft invention, which captures every bit of the fine processed cheese flavor, more delicious flavor than you've ever enjoyed before in every single slice. And you could be sure craft slices will reach you clean, sanitary, and in perfect condition because they're wrapped right in the spick and span craft plant. Every slice perfect. No slivers, broken pieces, or dried edges. And these slices of delicious processed cheese are sandwich size. So handy for easy cheese sandwiches you can fix in a jiffy. And, of course, one of the nicest things about this extra good-tasting processed cheese is the convenience of the package. You can easily keep several varieties on hand all the time because these packages take up so little room in your refrigerator. Tomorrow, look in your grocer's dairy case for those perfect slices of unusually delicious processed cheese, Kraft Deluxe Slices. <laughs> Let's get back to the great Gildersleeve. Everybody agrees that Bronco, the expected father, should accompany the water commissioner to the Jolly Boys meeting this evening. That is, everybody agrees except Bronco. But, Mr. Gildersleeve, I don't want to go. I want to stay here and keep an eye on Marge. No, Bronco, you can't sit here and keep an eye on her for a whole month. Oh, I've said it once and I'll say it again. How do we know it's going to be a month? Well, the doctor says... True, Mr. Gildersleeve, but my grandmother always said when a woman starts moving furniture around... We know the time is close at hand. Yes. So how do we know? How do we know? Unc, you better get him out before he comes unglued. <laughs> Leroy, I'll handle this. Okay, I'll go look for the glue. Hey. <laughs> yes, yes. Bronco, when Uncle Mort invites you to his club, the least you can do is go. But, Mort... Well, I told the Jolly Boys you're coming. They're looking forward to it. Here's your hat and have a good time. I refuse to have a good time. I don't want to offend anybody, but I refuse to go. Yofer. Mr. Bronco. Oh, what is it, Bertie? If Bertie can put in her two cents, I think you ought to go. You need to change. Well, I appreciate your interest, Bertie, but it's my duty to stay close to Marge. Yes, sir. But look at it this way. 
There's a telephone at the Jolly Boys Club, ain't it, Mr. Gilsey? Oh, yes, of course, Bertie. That's nice. You see, Mr. Bronco, then you're as close to Miss Marjorie as the telephone. Well... That's right, Bronco. That's the way we get in touch with the doctor, by telephone. I hadn't thought about the telephone. Thanks, Bertie. I'll go if it'll make everybody happy. I really think you should, Bronco. Well, that's settled. Yes, sir. Bertie's two cents worth paid off. You bet. Bertie's two cents worth about the telephone got it to go. Yeah, that's right, Bertie. Mr. Bronco's sitting here not budging an inch, and Bertie's two cents worth got it to go. True, Bertie. Mr. Gilson, you know what got it to go? Yes, Bertie. That's right, Bertie's two cents worth got it to go. <laughs> Hurry up, Bronco. Let's go. Hi, Commissioner. We're waiting for you. Hello, Floyd. Hi, Peavy. Hello, Mr. Gillespie. Gildy, where's Bronco? Oh, he'll be up in a minute, Judge. He stopped down the street to phone Marjorie. We got a phone up here. Well, he couldn't wait. My, my. And you say the baby isn't expected for another month? That's right, Peavy. <laughs> that boy will spend a lot of nickels between now and then. <laughs> well, take it from a barber. The kid's got a lot on his mind, and it ain't just hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I invited him up, fellas. Yes, our project for the evening, gentlemen, is to make our young friend Bronco forget his needless anxiety. Uh, we'll work on him. I- I'll open up the coat. Good idea, Peavy. Here he comes now. I'm sorry I'm late, men, but I have to phone my wife. Yeah, I explained that, Bronco. Now, settle down. Yes, sir. Hello, Mr. Peavy, Judge. Yeah, hello, Bronco. Welcome to the club, Bronco. Thank you. Hello, Mr. Munson. Hi, kid. But drop the mister. I'm Floyd to my friends, customers, and prospective fathers. <laughs> Lloyd, don't bring up the subject. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I propose that we welcome our young friend to the Jolly Boys Club with a rousing song. Yeah, you sing, don't you, Bronco? Uh, Not very well. Then you can sing lead. (laughs) What's this, Judge? Gildy usually sings lead, but he doesn't sing well either. (laughs) The old goat. Hey, where's Chief of Police Gates? Uh, He won't be here tonight. He has to attend jail. Well, then I'll sing the bass part. Oh, my goodness. Judge, you can't sing bass. You can't get below high C. Oh, yes, I can. Do, ti, la, so, ta, mi, re, do. (laughs) That won't do, Judge. Do, ti, la, so, fa, mi, re, do. Hey, the commission ain't a bad base. You ask me, he's very base. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, what do we sing? There is a tavern in the town, you know. No, no. <laughs> Will you sing down by the old mill street? Now, you sing what you want to sing, and I'll sing what I want. <laughs> oh, now, guys. That song has a nice solo line for Bronco. Yeah, say... Where is Bronco? He's over in the corner phoning, I believe. <laughs> Again? Bronco, we're waiting. Come in, Mr. Gildersleeve. Are you sure you're all right, Marge? Huh? Are you taking it easy? Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, goodbye, honey. What a devoted husband. Oh, she's all right, man. I just talked to her and she's all right. Well, of course she's all right. Sure, she's okay. 
Now, come on, kid, and join in the frivolity. Well, a man has to keep a check on things. Yeah. Well, here's your part, Franco. It's the lead. <laughs> oh, I don't think I'd better sing the lead. We insist, Bronco. Well, all right. Here we go down the stream, grab an oar. Down by the the important thing. There must be some other way to have it. How about a little game of pinochle? Pinochle? Sure, anything to make you forget you're going to be a father. Lloyd. Excuse me, man. I think I better phone home again. Lloyd, you did it again. All I said was we were... I told you to be quiet. So did I. Blabbermouth. Fellas, let Bronco make his call. Uh, Yeah? You won't be happy until he knows Marjorie's all right. Uh, What's that, Marge? Where do I think the mirror should go? Oop, there she goes again. Yeah, but Marge, honey, look, you promised you wouldn't move things. And just sit down right where you are. Don't touch anything. I'll be right home. No, Bronco, well, wait I a minute. Go, Mr. Gildersleeve. Marge is rearranging the furniture again. Oh, tidying up the place, is she? Judge, my grandmother always said that can mean only one thing. The time is close at hand. Good night, men. And thanks for everything. He seemed a little excited. <laughs> that boy. What's this about rearranging furniture, Commission? I've heard of that. It's the mother instinct. Preparing the home for the little one. It's supposed to mean the arrival is imminent. Yeah? Oh, it's just an old wives' tale, Floyd. Oh. And I wish Bronco would take the doctor's word instead of his grandmother's. <laughs> well, they can arrive early. I was a seven-month baby myself. Weighed three and a half pounds. <laughs> You've come a long way, Floyd. <laughs> yeah, one of my feet weighs that much now. <laughs> well, shall we play Pinochle? Well, I guess we may as well. Yeah, I'm sure everything's all right at home. I think so. Um, don't you, Floyd? Oh, yeah. Them doctors know their stuff. Right, Judge? I'm positive Bronco is unduly concerned. Aren't you, Gilda? Sure. Seven months, sir, Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> Come to think of it, it ain't uncommon. You? You fellas carry on. I think I'd better go home. Why, Gilda? Well, I want to see if Bronco got home all right. <laughs> Thank you. 
have to come home just because Bronco did. Well, I didn't get a very good pinochle hand. How are you feeling, Marjorie? Fine. I'd have had everything arranged the way I wanted it if Bronco hadn't stopped me. No, my dear, if furniture has to be rearranged, let Bronco do it. He's big and strong. I'm getting weaker. <laughs> Here, Bronco, I'll help you with the chair. You don't know, Marjorie. Yeah, I'll help. Thanks, Mr. Gildersleeve. I hope the Jolly Boys didn't think I was rude. No, of course not, Bronco. They're up there playing pinochle, having a great time. I'll get it! Yeah, I'm right here, Bertie. Who could that be? Yeah, I don't know. Good evening, Gilda. Judge, I thought you were at the club. Well, I left Floyd and Peavy there. I thought my place was here, since I'm so close to the family. Oh, yes. How's Marjorie? I'm fine, Judge. Oh, I didn't see you, Marjorie. My, you look radiant. Thank you. She says she's fine, Judge. Hello, Bronco. Oh, Bronco, I didn't want the coffee table there. Here, let me... No, 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 Marjorie. We can do that. Yes, Marjorie, let us handle it. But, Unky, I... Judge, I'm afraid I broke up the meeting tonight. Not at all. Floyd and Peavy are holding the fort. Uh, now what? Unky! Yeah. All right, Bertie. Good evening, gentlemen. Gentlemen? Hi, Bertie. Everything all right, Bertie? Yes, sir. The others are inside. Oh, my goodness. Come on in, Floyd. Come in, Peavy. Hi, everybody. Hiya, Marge. Hello, Mr. Munson, Mr. Peavy. Good evening, Marjorie. Peavy, I didn't expect you and Floyd to drop by. Yeah, I thought if there was much moving to be done, we'd help. Yeah. We want to do anything we can. That's why I came. Too bad the chief ain't here. We could use the police siren on the way to the hospital. <laughs> Mr. Munson, that's ridiculous. It'll be weeks yet. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you see, Marge, we've all got that feeling. How, how do you feel, Marjorie? <laughs> Unky, with all this help here, I feel there's nothing for me to worry about. I think I'll go up to bed. Hey, good girl. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. I'll go up with you, Miss Margie. Oh, thank you, Bertie. <laughs> Them men all traipsing over here to see how you're feeling. Aren't they cute? Yes, ma'am. They think their furniture move means something, but not Bertie. She don't believe in them old tales. No, ma'am. <laughs> Good night, Bertie. Good night, Miss Margie. Miss Margie? Yes, Bertie. If you get that furniture moving feeling again, don't you touch nothing. You call Bertie. Bertie, you're cute, too. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Good night, Bertie. Good night, Miss Marjorie. Bless our little girl. Great Gildersleeve will be right back. To please all the folks at your house, there are five delicious varieties of Kraft Deluxe Slices. So everyone can enjoy these perfect slices of extra good eating pasteurized processed cheese. Whether it's wonderfully mellow Kraft American, Kraft American with scarlet pimentos added, 
delightful nut-sweet Kraft Swiss, Kraft Brick with that deep-down rich taste, or sharp Old English brand. You'll want to have several kinds on hand always because these perfect slices are so handy for cheese snacks and sandwiches you can fix easily and quick as a wink. Tomorrow, look in your grocer's dairy case for the five delicious varieties of Kraft Deluxe Slices. Two o'clock. Can't get to sleep. Who left the light on downstairs? What a family. Where are my slippers? You hope I can last till this baby gets here. Your family's falling to pieces. Lights burning all hours of the night. Who's downstairs? Marjorie? Verdi? Yeah. Nobody there. I'll have to go down and turn it off. I... Oop. Is Bronco. Fell asleep in a chair. What's this? Suitcase on one side, telephone on the other. <laughs> you wonder what he was thinking about. Bronco? Bronco? What? Oh, I'm awake. Let's go. Wait, Rocco, wait. I'll call the doctor. Here's the suitcase. I'm going to be a father. I call the hospital. I'll take Marge. You follow me in your car. Rocco, stop running around the room. <laughs> Open your eyes. Where's Marge? She's in bed. Asleep. Everything is all right. Are you sure? Yes, my boy. Now go to bed and relax. Oh, all right. Good night, Mr. Gildersleeve. Rocco, you're going into the basement. <laughs> oh, upstairs is this way. Yes. <laughs> Makes a long day. Good night, folks. Gildersleeve is played by Willard Waterman. The show is written by Paul West, John Elliott, and Andrew White, with music by Robert Armbruster. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Mary Lee Robb, Lillian Randolph, Dick Crenna, Arthur Q. Bryan, Earl Ross, and Dick LeGrand. This is John Heaston saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company, makers of the famous line of Kraft quality food products. Be sure to listen in next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the further adventures of the great Gildersleeve. Here's a secret for making dull meals interesting. Add Kraft prepared mustard to any meat dish, hot or cold, and see the difference. Hidden flavors pop right out, because when you add a little mustard, you add a lot of tang. Get Kraft prepared mustard. Proceeding was transcribed. Read about your humble host and coronet. Hear him next on NBC.
Oh, yeah. I just love that guitar. <laughs> yeah, they have it, friends. The Great Gildersleeve from January 17, 1951, as Marjorie barks out the orders. And Bronco and Gildy, they just got to lift that barge, move the bale, and move that mirror, move that couch, move that easy chair. Uh, oh, I'm telling you, it's a never-ending process when you start moving furniture around for a little lady who's going to have a baby and she just can't quite make up her mind. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, that's when you get the blues. Uh, you might say Marjorie gave Bronco and Gildersleeve the wee baby blues. Hey. I said I wasn't going to yell at the engineer. There, he got it going. Here's Nat King Cole and the wee baby blues. Hey. That's what Bronco and Gildersleeve got right now. early one Monday morning and I was on my way to school It was early one Monday morning when I was on my way to school That was the morning when I broke my mother's rule. I've been in love with you, baby, before I learned to call your name. I've been in love with I learned to call your name Now you're in love with someone else I know that's gonna drive me insane Oh, 
Oh my, that's a problem. <laughs> when uh, your great lover has another lover, and uh, oh my, not King Cole has to deal with that one. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that problem. When, uh, uh, yeah, that was not King Cole and the Wee Baby Blues. Good song from that. And you know, earlier I was talking about how good it felt to get home today. But it really felt good to get home yesterday. Not only did I have to go to a last-minute appointment at the doctor's, they're doing construction outside of my place, and they're going to be doing it all week, so uh, it was starting today, and if I didn't get up to the doctor's tomorrow, I wouldn't be able to get out the house. So anyway, a last-minute decision to get up there, and they said, sure, come on in. So I was surprised. I was very happy. Then I went there. Then I had, after that, a fiasco of having to fill. You know, now they don't give you papers to fill out anymore when you arrive. They handed me a tablet. I've never had to, to put in answers to a thousand questions on a tablet before. So I'm putting in these answers. I got me to line up my, my driver's license. And then they want you to turn it over. You have to line up the picture in the square. I tell you, it's crazy. Uh, uh, anyway, the doctor's appointment actually didn't take that long. What really took long was filling out the thousands of questions and the answers on that tablet. Well, anyway, then after that, I went over to the gas station. My tire in my left rear tire keeps losing air. Every time I get in the car, it's lost a little more and a little more. After about a month, I got to fill it up again. Went there, do that. I put some gas in. Then I went over to the grocery store, got a bunch of groceries. Eh, and then I got And when I walked in that door, I felt so good. I mean, really so good. Well, anyway, that's when you really appreciate walking into a warm house because it's cold out there. Eh, eh. Huh. Now let's get back to Marjorie and Bronco and their problems. So they're, they're going to have this baby. And when the baby gets there, you know what Marjorie, she's going to say to the little baby. And then she's going to turn to Bronco and she's going to sing out, Baby, I love you. That's what she'll say to the baby. Here are the Ronettes.
Oh, yeah. You know, when the Ronettes say it, <laughs> I believe it. Oh, yes. I do. Hey, stop that. Uh, <laughs> you know, not only I need to get used to doing shows again after a couple of weeks, uh, my Mr. Engineer, he's got to get used to it, too. But like I say, I can't get mad at him today because I done made a couple of mistakes uh, the first half of this show, so that ain't so bad. Hey, by the way, you know, this song that you're listening to is a beautiful song. It is really beautiful. It comes from the movie Say One For Me. And in that movie, this is the opening movie soundtrack. It's done by one of the Newmans. There was a... Uh, Randy Newman's father was a musical composer of many movies and Randy Newman's uncle was also a composer and this is done by either Randy's father or his uncle theme from the movie Bing Crosby's movie say one for me well now there you know this little baby's coming in Marjorie and and uh, Bronco they're gonna have to deal with the baby in particular they're gonna have to have a hard time maybe getting the baby to go to sleep that's always a kind of a hard thing to do but if you rock the baby nice and gently and sing a little song as you're rocking him the baby will slowly close his eyes and, you know, Hal Jolson finds it best to sing a Dixie melody when he rocks his little baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's Al Jolson and rock a your baby with a Dixie melody. rock a your baby with a Dixie melody. When you croon, croon a tune. From the heart of Dixie Hang that cradle, Mammy Mars Right on that Mason-Dixon line And swing it from Virginia To Tennessee with all the soul that's in you Weep no more, my lady Mammy, sing it again for me. And old Black Joe, just as old, you have me on your knees. A million baby kisses I'll deliver if you will only sing the Swanee River rock-a-bye. You'll rock up my baby with a Dixie melody. Rock-a-bye. 
a bar with a Dixie melody. When you croon, croon a tune from the heart of Dixie. Hang that cradle, Mammy Mine, right on that Mason Dixon line, and swing it from Virginia to Tennessee with all of the soul that's in your Mammy. Mammy, listen what they're playing. They're playing Weep No More, My Lady. Sing it for me. And old Black Joe, just that glow. You had me on your knee. A million baby kisses I'll deliver. If you will only sing the Swanee River rock-a-bye. Your rock-a-bye, baby. With our Dixie melody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I tell you, friends, it just don't get no better than that. An all-time great classic from Al Jolson. Rockabye, your baby. And, you know, he he really sang that song really from the heart. And uh, I'm telling you, hmm. Uh, I used to listen to the Kraft Music Hall every week, and he sang that song many times on the Kraft Music Hall, and I never, ever got tired of listening to it. The great Al Jolson. He was called the world's greatest entertainer, and for good reason. Well, friends, for good reason, this is the end of the show. I'm sorry to say, uh, but, you know, all good things must end, and... uh, Maybe by the time I get to doing the next show, I'll be all revved up and all ready to go and uh, not make any little tiny boo-boos the way I did the first part of the show. At least I think I made some boo-boos, and I noticed them. Maybe you didn't notice them, but I did. But we're getting going now. I'm getting the hang of it. We're going to do the next show, and it's going to be great. And I, uh, Anyway, today's Great Gildersleeve was broadcast January 17th of 1951. We hope you enjoyed it, and until the next time, I am your humble host for Sounds Like Radio saying so long for now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.